Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our life. We ask that you allow us to receive your word today. Keep our hearts soft and melted for you. Allow your word to grow in our hearts, God. Plant more seeds and water them. And God, we just ask that you just allow us to be sensitive to you. Let us conversate with you more, God. Let us do more. Let us hope more. Let us pray more. Let us share more. Let us love more. Let us forgive more. And so, God, we just ask whatever it takes for us to do that. Please, God, let us be able to do it. Just change our lives. Change our heart. Whatever it is that we need to change in our life, God, show us. Let us see. Show us how and show us the steps that we need to take in order to do it. So God, whatever it takes, God, we want to be at our best, at our best. And in order for us to be at our best, we need for you to help us be our best. So God, we ask that you quicken us through your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for filling me up. I just pray that you you lead me in this discussion. Allow me to discuss everything that I need to discuss today. And most importantly, God, please allow your will to be done. Do not let me forget anything that I need to talk about or share. Uh, most importantly, God, let your words stay embedded in our hearts. Seal it down with your blood. God, remove all of the things. Remove all of the garbage that's in our minds and our belief systems. And let us unlearn whatever it is that we need to unlearn in order for us to fulfill your plan, will, and purpose, God. So we just thank you right now in advance for just being in our life and for helping us to become our best selves. Most importantly, God, please allow your will to be done. Not ours or anyone else's, but yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Laws, Life, and Health. Let's talk about it. So, um... Today, I'm going to be talking about women's health. And the way that I'm going to talk about it, there are like three different um, categories that I want to discuss. The first one, let's, um, I, I'm just going to take it one step at a time because usually when I talk about the agenda, sometimes God leads me in a different path. So I'm just going to stay focused on one step at a time. So I'm going to talk about it's not, it's about the what and not the who. Okay, um, and hope and how that relates to hope, how hope is impacting your decisions and influencing your motivations. So um, let's let's get started. I want to go to let's go to um, I want us to go to Romans chapter 15, verse 13, Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't this nice? Hope that overflows. Okay. Hope that overflows. So let's understand what this means. Um, so I want to go. And look at the Strong's Concordance for a moment. And I know I've talked about this already. I have. I've talked about hope. 
and also looking at the um greek word for hope um so let's look at the strong concordance okay so the word hope and the strong concordance is strong's number 1000 i'm sorry 1680 is pronounced l piece okay l piece um it's spelled e-l-p-i-s is um defined as expectations or your hope hope expectation trust and your confidence that's what it means expectations trust confidence and so when we are looking at hope right going back to romans 15 and 13 we we see that may the god of hope fill us with joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit and so god was really really talking to me today about this hope hope never gives up hope never fails God has given us a future and a hope. So, like, when I looked at that scripture, I want to go to that scripture. So, I asked God about this scripture here um, in Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, it says, <laughs> for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a, a um, plans to give you a hope and a future. So plans to give you hope and a future. Let's look at the. I want to look at the different translations on Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. So I want to go um to Bible Hub, and I want to look here, and then kind of look at the the translations here. Because it's going to be a deep discussion today about hope. Believe me. Okay. So we have the NIV version is what I just read. The New Living Translation says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. The King James Bible says, for I know the thoughts I think toward you, said the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. The Amplified Bible says, For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. See, so I I was asking God today because I really would like to get answers from God about a lot of stuff. So when I am going into like a word search or if I'm when I'm praying and I'm having conversations with the Lord, I, I will ask God questions so that I can get clarity, even though like I know that I'm fully equipped with the Holy Spirit. It's so important for me to. 
you know, understand God's word in a way where I want to know from his perspective because it allows my mind to be enlightened. So when you ask God, you say, God, I want to know this from your perspective. I want to understand it specifically the exact way, like almost identical to the way that you understand it. So yes, you have the we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit allows us to have understanding. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us all of the tools that we need to sustain. See, you go, let's go back to Romans 15 and 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what God was telling me is, is that hope is the co-parent of faith. So like, you know, you have, you have parent companies out here who like, for instance, uh, for instance, if we, we talk about BMO Harris Bank, that's a financial institution. Right, but BMO Harris also have subsidiaries. They have BMO Harris National Association. That's a co-parent or just a, a subsidiary to BMO Harris. So everything that that's, that subsidiary company does have to come through the parent company. Authorization comes from the parent. For instance, let me give you another example. Principals of schools are really on their board. So you have teachers who are abiding by the Board of Education. So the Board of Education would be the what? The parent. The principal is the co-parent and the teachers are who? Subsidiaries. So that's the way we understand the order, the process of authorization of approvals. So when we're looking at life and we're, you know, deciding how we are going to think and behave and respond, we need to be thinking about what is driving you? What is your navigation system? So we have these organizations that are parent companies. And then you have co-parent. Then you have subsidiaries. So many people, for me, I say the stakeholders are the parent company, those are considered interest holders. They take, they invest in this company. They are going to be more invested in the direction, in the direction and the trajectory of what is going on with this organization. For instance, if you go to your local McDonald's, now I'm just using this as an example. Everyone don't eat McDonald's. It could be McDonald's, Wendy's, Popeye's, you know, KFC. 
All right. And so when you go there, you're paying for a service. And so you're going to expect to receive what you pay for. So if you order a three-piece chicken, you want a three-piece chicken. You don't want a, a sandwich. You want to get what you spend in return. So in the same aspect, we have to look at investors are going to be looking at, okay, I made this investment with you. Now, what's the direction of this company? What's the return on my investment? So when you pay your when you pay your uh phone bill every month, you don't want your phone bill changing every month, do you? You want you know like if your phone bill gets a hundred dollars over than what you're normally paying, it's like, well, wait a minute, why am I paying a hundred dollars over? So you know like. That isn't a good investment. This isn't a good investment opportunity anymore. Because now I'm no longer paying a, a, a price that I'm used to. But now you're not providing additional services. And I'm paying more for something that I've been already receiving. So when we think about God. And not to compare God to anything of this world right when it comes to quality because god is omni okay god is um, god is uh omnipotent god is omni science god is all of that god is omnipresent he's all-knowing he's everywhere all at the same time god is everything so but when we're looking at the the gifts that we receive from the Holy Spirit. Because see the gifts are distributed. To us by the Holy Spirit. So now let's go and dive deeper. Into this discussion. Hope. Is the co-parent. Of your faith. Hope. Is the parent. That navigates. Your motivation. So. If you're not being navigated by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as you see here in Romans 15 and 13, you are going to have an overflow of hope. But if your navigation is used for cursing people out, what results are you going to get from that? Because, see, when our navigation is motivated by, it's, it's the parent of hope. So, our hope is our navigation system. But if profanity is your navigation system, if sex is your navigation system, how can you have motivation? So your motivation is whatever is navigating your beliefs. It's whatever is navigating your motivation. So I choose to show up every day for myself. 
Because no one else can show up in my place. So that's my navigation. Showing up for myself. But if you are being navigated off of problems, that means that you're living off a response system. Your life is based off of the fluctuation of your problems. So you're going to be, you know, driven because, see, we know that faith drives hope. And hope is the navigation for your motivation. But, see, if you're... If problems are driving you, that means what is attached to problems? That means problems are your motivation. So you going to be living life off of responses of what your problems present to you. So, okay, so let's see how this works. So, since your friends don't know how to be real friends, that's going to navigate you to treat them bogus. Because you're going to treat them how they act, right? I remember when I was like, like <laughs> I, when I used to be like how I used to be, and I'm glad that God delivered me from that because I was a rude person. Seriously, I was rude. When I tell you, brutally honest. I was brutally honest. So when we think about, like, treating people, I used to say, I'm, I'm going to treat you how you act. You want to act like that? I'm going to treat you like that. You, you act the same way, I'm going to treat you how you act. So, if if you are being driven, your, your navigation system is being driven because of problems, then your decisions and everything that you do is going to be based upon that problem. So you won't overflow in hope. You're going to be overflowing in stress responses. Because problems gives problems can give you stress. It can also give you depression. It can give you a whole bunch of other things. So let's talk about this. I I, I want to only want to talk about this briefly. All right. Um. I don't want to spend too much time on the next thing that so our stress stress impacts the brain okay stress impacts your brain it also impacts your physical body so we understand let's let's look at let's look at how our brain works the science of our brain okay so it starts with your amygdala 
your amygdala is basically your stress response. So if you are being driven by problems, your amygdala in your brain is working immediately. So your brain is being impacted by your response to things in life. Because, see, you got to understand your response is, is doing something internally to your body and your brain. And so if you're driven by problems, your amygdala in your brain is it's a stress response that it starts immediately with the stress response in your brain through the amygdala. And this is what most people feel like you have fight, flight, freeze. Or some people say fawn upon. Well, I fawn upon, you fawn upon the person. Now, instead of you like being honest with the person, now you just want to make sure you're always, you're complimenting someone who's mean or, or treating you bad. That's fawning upon somebody. So many times we have this reaction to these stressors through our amygdala. Hold on one second, my cat. Sorry. Uh, come on. Come on. Get from over there. Sorry about that. So our our mind, our brain actually, we have a reaction to these stress responses. So when you're going through a stressful situation, just say for instance, you're being driven by this problem constantly, constantly, constantly. Guess what? The problem now is driving you to stress responses. And so what happens is now your amygdala is sending a signal, it's calling, it's like a, it's like a cell phone. You call in somebody. You call this person. You want to call your friend. You want to call your mom. You, your, your amygdala is calling another part of your brain. The amygdala, which is your stress, the stress in your brain is calling your hypothalamus. The amygdala calls the hypothalamus and say, hey, hey, you know what? I, it, danger is going on. So many times people get in situations, let's say, for instance, you have a problem at work. You want to call all of your friends. Your whole, your entire family is going to know what's going on with your job, but they're not going to know how God is positively impacting your you and your life. They'll know everything about the problems at work, but nobody knows how God is being good to you because it's all you talk about. Is the problems. Do you have any, any positive thing to think about when you wake up? So the amygdala calls the hypothalamus. And it's saying, look, yo, brain, we're, the, you, you going, is something going on. So your adrenaline is going, you're, you're getting this alert. Because now it's, it's messing with your pituitary adrenal. 
adrenal. That's what it's called, adrenal. So now it's messing with other parts of your brain, the hypothalamus. It's activating the, your entire stress response system. So it's just like you call your, you didn't call your cousins about this girl at your job. And now guess what they did? Now they're going to call all of the rest of your family. That's what the hypothalamus do. It activates the entire stress response system in your brain. So now that you stressed out, your amygdala calling the hypothalamus and the hypothalamus calling everybody in the body. Everything in your body is now feeling the impact of stress. And so now you have these cortisols being released into your body. So now that's just like, like an example. You're calling now your cousins. They're calling the entire family. That's your hypothalamus. Now guess what? Now you feeling like even extra stressed out. Now you crying. Because now you feel like you about to lose your job. So that, that would be considered the, the cortisol, the stress hormone that's being released into your system. So some people cry, some people fight, some people argue. That's the cortisol. That's the stress hormone. So you have to understand that over time, your emotional response system could be very impactful on your brain. And so with long-term stress, it, it will it is linked to impacting your hippocampus. And this is this is about the the emotional regulation in your mind. So some people, they decompress from situations, but when you're stressed out and you continue to get, you know, your hypothalamus is, is activating your entire stress system and now the cortisol is being re released and now your prefrontal cortex is getting smaller. Your prefrontal cortex is responsible for the, your decisions. Your comprehension. So the more stress you feel, the smaller your comprehension is. This is scientific knowledge. So your as trauma increases in your life, the smaller your comprehension becomes. Because your prefrontal cortex becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. So now your ability to make wise decisions becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. Like, who would have known that everything in the Bible is 
predicted through scientific methods. All of this stuff is in the Bible. Let me explain how, okay? So now, God brought me back to the brain part because trauma is something that we sometimes don't really pay attention to. When you become so accustomed to handling stressful situations, you don't realize the impact of stress over time that it has on your brain. And so the Bible tells us that my people die because of a lack of knowledge. So it's quite obvious that there is a linkage between people focusing on problems and their inability to comprehend through wise decisions and making knowledgeable choices. Because the prefrontal cortex decreases the more stress and trauma that occurs in your life. As trauma and stress increase in your life, your ability to make wise decisions is shrunk. It shrinks. Now your comprehension is smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And so I literally, I was sitting up here early and I was like crying out to God. Seriously, right? I literally was crying. And I was like, so what God said to me, I, and I, I want to go over this scripture. And so that's the scripture I want to go to now. So let's go to, um. Hold on one second. I want to go to uh um Let's go to this scripture here. I think I all right, I think I already have it pulled up. Let me see. Okay. Here we go. Is this it? No. One second, you all. I thought I I promise I thought I had it pulled up, but I don't see. I have so many tabs up right now. That's the problem. I shouldn't have all this stuff pulled up. Okay, I have it. Okay. All right, here we go. So this is this is the scripture that um God told me about. We're gonna go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 10 again in verse 34. And I know I, I went over this scripture last week, and um I think I went over it somewhat in depth, but I really didn't. But so today God was just really speaking to me about this scripture. And, um, <laughs> so I want you all to know something that 
when you're when you're going through things in life, we don't want problems to drive our response. Don't let problems be your motivation because you can you can be motivated by problems. Like some people are motivated by negative news just so they can call their friend and say, oh, did you watch the news? This one man, I promise, every time I see him, all he ever talk about is the news. Well, you you know what they were saying on the news. And that, and I'd be like, well, see, here he go again. The news said this, and I seen this on the news. And then, you know, this was on the news. And I was like, look, I did not know that the news is so prominent in discussions. It's like a movie. Like how some people talk about movies, instead of them talking about movies, they talk about the news. <laughs> and I, I don't know, like, for me, that is kind of like abnormal. For me, because watching the news isn't something that's a part of my norm. So anything that you do that isn't a part of your norm would be considered abnormal. So let's talk about this for a second. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is leading me in this. Um, so <laughs> let me just explain this part before I go on to the scripture. Okay. Um, so I know I always talk about reality TV. So let me use a different example. Because, see, I don't watch reality TV. Unless it's um critter fixers on the National Geographic. I like critter fixers. Okay. I watched all of the seasons on critter fixers and on Animal Planet. All right. That's the type of stuff I like watching. It's just reality TV. I don't watch the basketball housewives of Japan or the basketball housewives of Alaska. Okay. I don't know. I don't watch that stuff. Okay. So that means that people that do watch that stuff, that would be considered abnormal to me. And so for me not watching that stuff, they're going to look at me as that's abnormal to them. Like what, what, what's wrong with you that you don't watch the basketball wives of Alaska, you know, so it's like it's like uh-uh. Okay. So let's let's talk about another thing. So when I'm in a like if I'm in a hood, when I'm in a hood and stuff like in Chicago, because I grew up in the um impoverished neighborhood. And I and I love my community. My grandparents grew up in that neighborhood, my parents, and so I grew up in that neighborhood, and uh, my great great grandparents and my great grandparents, okay. So when I think about my community and a lot of different people, yes, I love people in the community, but when it comes to our belief systems, our belief systems are not the same. So, so some people can say, well, well, how can you grow up in a place and your beliefs are not similar? It's because see, you, your perspective on things isn't the same. 
See, I talked about last week about, you know, you have your own set of fingerprint. So your perception, which is your, your, your perception is the parent. Your conscious is the co-parent of, it's the, is your co-perception. Your conscious is your co-perception. So you have to be responsible for your perception. But when you are doing things in life, for instance, I don't do drugs. So I smoked marijuana two times in my entire life. Once when I was a teenager and then again when I was an adult. I smoked like a joint, okay? So smoking weed, marijuana... It's abnormal for me. That's not something that I will be doing. So people that smoke marijuana, they're going to be looking like, well, what's wrong with you? Why you don't smoke? So it's abnormal for them that I don't smoke. So anything that is going on in life, when you are doing something, your habits is your norm. That's your norm. When other people don't do the things that you don't do, that's considered abnormal. So, for instance, there is no way I can go through an entire day without praying and without reading and without writing. So praying, reading, and writing. I I I all I read every single day. I pray every single day and I write every single day. I have not cut the television on. Well, actually, the television to watch a movie, I don't know, in maybe 45 days. So, that's the point. For me, I think it's important to have entertainment, but not every day. So, I think that, that people that are driven... By entertainment constantly isn't being efficient. That isn't efficient. That is not an efficient way to live life. <laughs> you know, but so I can't necessarily say that my kid, well, my kids, they will probably be like, mom, you know, you're kind of strict. And I'll be like, look, you need to appropriate your time. Because there is no way that you could just be entertained the entire day. So is entertainment driving your life? You know, like for me, I, I've seen it. Like I've seen my son literally have a day off from work. And just now he wants to relax. He want to watch a movie. He want to listen to music. He want to talk on the phone while he on Instagram. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Reverse. Your entire day 
is spent on entertainment. How does that work? Oh, it's my off day. Oh, wait, 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 wait. So you want to spend your off day being entertained. Why? So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like I know, I know you're a kid. You know, you're growing. You're an emerging adult. But like I said, look, we all are different. We all, we all come with a set of, of belief systems and norms. But for, for, in order to be progressive in life, you have to appropriate your time. Meaning that should you, out of 24 hours in a day, how much percentage should you be spending on entertainment? That means social media, contact with your friends, talking on the phone with them, watching TV, listening to music. Doing, we, that's what we're talking, entertainment purposes. So, you know, like the way you, the what differentiates us in this world is the utilization of your time. So if you're spending your time, see, I'm, I don't want to spend 90 hours a week working a job. When I work, I don't work overtime. Because now you're tapping into my personal time. I'm not going to give extra time. When I'm at work, I'm maximizing goals. I'm over exceeding expectations. Because guess what? My focus is extremely elevated on exceeding expectations. Not meeting expectations. See, if you meet expectations, then that means that I'm not doing a good job. That means that I am basic and there's nothing basic about me. So your motivation, you have to analyze that. We are all going to come with a, a set of norms that's different. Everyone is different. No one is uh, this special and that special. But we are to God, though. So I want to talk about that because God gave me some. God gave me some knowledge today. When I tell you, my mind, my brain, I felt like God was working in me so much. So let me explain what God did. Let me go back to the scripture here. Okay, so um. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. And then I want to reflect back on what I was just saying. Okay. So it says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father. 
and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be those of his own household he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me he who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it okay so it's a lot of information that's coming out of this scripture it's so much information that god is giving us out of this scripture here this scripture by itself just all by itself gives us an overwhelming amount of information because we see that we understand that in order for us to pick up our cross we need to let we need to put away the old self that's the exposure to death part put away the old self i, I covered this last week so i'm not gonna go too much in detail about it i'm just gonna hit the main points so picking up your cross is exposure to death putting away the old self self-denial letting letting go of denial letting go and unlearning the things that you need to and and so i'm going to really get into the 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 low-hanging fruit of this part here so letting go of the implication of accepting your wrongs right and accepting the atonement of christ and so what we see from this scripture here is see god is saying that look do not think that i have come to bring peace on the earth i did not come to bring peace but a sword and so what god is telling us is that going back to the way that we think and how our stress is really impacting our amygdala in the brain and from the amygdala the amygdala calls the hypothalamus and now the hypothalamus is calling our entire stress system our stress system now is activating cortisol which is now you're going to cry you're going to be angry you're going to have these emotional instabilities and then after that what you're going to your prefrontal cortex is going to shrink so your ability to make decisions are now skewed it's flawed you your prefrontal cortex is is all about how you comprehend and in, in your decision making skills so when god is saying look my people are dying because of a lack of knowledge the lack of knowledge part is the fact that you're so problem driven remember what i say you can't be problem driven if we're gonna allow hope to be our navigation system for our motivation but if you are being motivated and your navigation is being focused and driven by these stress responses because guess what if if problems are your driving force that means that stress response is your navigation and so god is saying here like look i did not come to bring peace so what god was telling me about what happened 
Like today, I was just talking to God and he said, look, you have to decide. You have to decide. Do you have sympathy and empathy for things that are evil and wicked? Do you have sympathy and empathy for anything that is evil or wicked? And then so, so God is saying that what if, what if the people you know, the people that you know, what if they are not doing the things that God wants them to do. Do you have empathy and sympathy? Do you support those type of things? So what what so what God this is what God was saying is not about See, I was this how I was raised. I was raised to believe that it's not about who's right. It's about what's right. And so God said, do you know that that statement is a representation of what hope is? And so I was like, well, how, how does that produce hope, God? Because my grandmother told me that. My grandmother told me that. My grandmother was telling me that my whole life. And so that's how I go through life. And, it, and this is how I look at things. Like, it's not about who's right. It's about what's right. So when I begin to analyze, like, the Democrats and the Republicans, I don't look at them like, oh, this is my favorite Republican. This is my favorite Democrat. I don't look at none of that. I don't look at the who. I look at the what. And so what God is saying here, he's saying, look, I did not come to, to bring peace. I come to set a man against his father. Because, see, your, your father may be somebody that is not the person who God wants you to walk in the way of. God, the word of God tells us, do not walk in the way of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the wicked okay it says this in proverbs 4 and 14 do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil doors it didn't say because it's you, you know like it's your just because it's not it's not this person or is it because it's not that person you can. No, no, no. Proverbs 4 and 4 is very clear. But going back to Matthew 10 and 34. We are supposed to honor our parents. And that's what we're supposed to do. Because honoring our parents allows us to build a closer connection to God. As we grow older, the things that our parents didn't do, 
we 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 learn discipline from our parents so when god is not responding to you quick enough you're disciplined enough to understand that god still loves you and he has not abandoned you but if you don't learn the discipline that you need from your parents through honoring them then the way your relationship is with your parents will be similarly to how your relationship will turn out with God. Oh, so what? She ain't respond. She ain't care about that. And so that's how you're going to be looking at God. Oh, well, see, God let this happen and God let that happen. See, there, there you go. That prefrontal cortex is physically shrinking so the comprehension to fully understand isn't there and so what god was telling me it, it god i was like well god it's like i've been on the other side where i didn't have this relationship the way that i have my relationship with you now and so the relationship that I have with you now is so fluid that I would want to see nobody in the world not be able to experience this. I want to see everybody experience the relationship, the closeness, the intimacy that we can have with you, Lord. See, when don't, don't get confused about intimacy with God. That's a whole nother explanation, a whole different podcast. So, but on, in layman's terms, intimacy with God means building a relationship with God. How are you maintaining your relationship with God? So now when we sit here and we're looking at God is saying, look, I come to set a man against his father. He's saying, look, don't walk in the way of wicked or evil. How much sympathy and empathy are you having for evil and wickedness? And it don't matter who it is. So God is telling us. That it's time for us to reshape our mind. So if you change your thinking, you change your life. God says not to be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the, the way we think, if we think that what we're doing is right, when in fact God is saying, no, 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 look, look. I need you to pick up your cross and follow me. If you find your life in this world, meaning that if you hold on to all these things that you love, you holding on to the things that are evil and wicked because you love it. Then what does that mean? 
That means that you cannot be worthy of God. So, going back here, we see that hope. If we have hope in God, we're going to be able to have our, our motivation. So, your motivation will overflow with hope. So hope overflows in your life, according to Romans. So that it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So, so you can't have joy and peace without trusting in God. Because that's the provision there. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. As you trust in him, then may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. As you trust in him. See, this is so, it is so clear that is very real. So what this means is that the, as you trust in God, this is the provision that he's put in place. So, see, a provision is a stipulation. The stipulation, God, God does have stipulations because he is a God of order, a God of peace. And God is also a God of authority. God is very disciplined. Very. <laughs> I can tell you or not. God, when you're trying to change your life and, and, and it's like, okay, like doing my process of me having to focus on letting go of sexual intimacy so that I can dedicate my body to God, that, it, that was a difficult process. But when you're overcoming, because some people think that addiction is just maybe a drug, but sex could be an addiction and you can inadvertently not be aware of it. Like profanity, that's a habit. That can also be a what? Addiction. Because the only way you know how to explain yourself is to use profanity. There is no context to the conversation at all. The only context you have is the utilization of profanity. So you can't have a conversation without using profanity. So how meaningless is that? For me, that would be abnormal. And then things that are abnormal is like, okay, well, I don't get it. So for me, they'll be like, oh, you're boring. And I'll be like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Cause I don't feel like I'm bored. <laughs> it's, a feel, it's a lot of work. <laughs> 
I need some help. <laughs> and that's, like, I need help to write, all right? I need help to do a lot. So, but no, I'm just saying that when we think about our overall quality of life, if we know that God will fill you with hope, well, the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. That means that the provision is a stipulation. God makes these stipulations and these provisions. The same way we go out here and make provisions and stipulations on people. You don't do what I do, I don't like you then. I don't want to be around you. Nobody wants to be around people that smoke when they don't smoke. People that smoke don't want to constantly be around people that don't smoke because now they're feeling like, guess what? You're too serious. But we put these stipulations on people the same way. So the provision is you trust in God and he will fill you with joy and peace. So what that means is that, see, because I believe everything in the Bible is true. Everything. There is nothing that you could talk to me about in, in the Bible. Any question that you have about the Bible, I could go over it with you. Anything. It doesn't matter what question it is. So that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be able to give an answer for our faith. Why we believe in what we believe. How. The what. The how. Okay. So, but moving on from that. Trust in him. So, that, that this means that people that don't trust in God. That means they always going to have problems. And even when you do trust in God. That means that you could have problems too. Because see. I always think about how. The opposite we would feel and how the opposite would think about something. So that means that if you're not trusting in God, you can have problems. And when you trust in God, you can still have problems. But the, the difference here is that if you trust in God, you will have problems. But now you have joy and peace. Even when you're having problems. But when you're not trusting in God, you're not going to have no joy and peace. Because guess what? Your amygdala is calling your hypothalamus and your whole body is feeling stressed, including your brain and your mind. That's not producing no joy or peace. I can tell you that I pray every single day and I love God for real. And when something bothers me, sometimes I may ponder on it for like a whole hour. And I'm like, God, why am I still thinking about this situation? Lord Jesus Christ, please help me. Lord God, please let I take my thoughts into captivity for anything that would exalt itself above the knowledge of God and I make my thoughts obedient to Christ. If I am thinking about something negative for like more than 30 minutes, it's something wrong. 
So like when you have peace from God, you're not going to be thinking about no problem for that long. I'm telling you from experience because God is already going to put it in your mind how to have peace from that. <laughs> like this, this is real life. This is very real. Okay. So like I was sitting up there thinking about school and, and so I was like, uh-uh, see God, now I am thinking about this for more than an hour. Why? Lord, no, I don't want to think about this for more than an hour. Why am I thinking about this so long? So now the next time when I talk to another person at the school, now I'm thinking about it again. Now I'm stuck on now this conversation for 30 minutes now after I get off the phone. It's like, okay, well, wait, I just left this Zoom meeting and now I'm thinking about this for 45 minutes. See, I can't be let, I cannot let no problems contaminate my mind when God has given me peace. See, I'm used to living in peace. <laughs> and that's, that's the truth, truth. That's more than the truth. So like God provides you with solutions so fast. There is no reason to ponder on that. And I feel I feel bad that I sometimes I will be thinking about this for like 30 minutes to an hour later. I'm like, I'm still thinking about this problem. And it's like, God, why am I even thinking about this? You already got because God, you've already said that I have the victory. So now I just walk around the house and be like, I have the victory. I have the victory all on me. I walk in victory. I got the victory. I got the victory. That's what I say to myself. I say it out loud. God, thank you because I got the victory. So it's about making these affirmations because affirmations are very important. See, I talked about affirmations on another podcast, but I think I should. Let me write that down. I need to create a separate blog about affirmations because i think that some people are they don't really understand the power of affirmations and the power of language and what you're speaking out of your mouth so the way what affirmations are it it is us speaking the things that we want and we believe in those things so i don't walk around and say, I want to be a millionaire. I say, God, I want to be blessed enough to be a blessing to other people, but not too much over that. See, because I understand the driving force in this world. I don't want to be a part of what's driving the world. So I ask God to bless me so that I can be a blessing to other people, but not over that amount. Thank you, God. And I'm the lender and not the borrower. But I don't want to, I don't want to overdo it. I think that Paul said in the, in the Bible, he said 
that uh wait wait it was something that Paul said. He said that um Paul Paul said that he hold on. So you look here. No, that's, I don't think this, I thought this was the scripture, but it's not. Okay, so so just going just going looking at this part, I just um I have a couple of things to talk about. I didn't even realize this. I'm already an hour and twenty two minutes in. So um, God is saying that in order for us to make sure that we're living a healthy lifestyle, healthy. This is just basic normal principles within the kingdom of God. The first thing you have to have is trust for God. Trust. Trust for God is going to give you opportunity. It gives you the opportunity to have peace. Peace. And joy. These are just basic necessities that you need. So when you have problems, you'll have peace and you'll, you'll still have joy because you know how to deal with those problems as they are being as they are being pushed back at you. So you will have an overflow of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, but it starts with trust because see the trust is the provision that God has put in place in order for you to receive joy and peace. Now, once, you, once you've accepted the relationship and you trust in God, then that joy and peace is gonna lead you to have an overflow of hope. Now see the expectation is that now, once you have an overflow of hope, you are going to be able to be motivated to do the things that you need to do. It's not about what nobody think. It's not about, see, I wrote on my blog the other day. God said that this is what God told me to say. He said, tell them that, you know, when people change, it isn't when it's when people change for all the wrong reasons. It's short lived. Because see, they, they're not motivated because of something internally within. They're motivated from external factors. External factors shouldn't be their motivation for changing anything in their life. See, everything is within. God said, it's not what you eat that defile you. It's what's in your heart, spoken out of your mouth. 
that's defiling you. So what God is saying is the things that's in you, those things internally, those are your driving navigations. And if you are being navigated by, if you're being driven by problems, you're going to have stress responses. Your mind, your comprehension is going to be off. You're, you're not at your best self. You could always use a little bit more of being your best. What percentage are you giving people? What percentage do they see you with? You know, like, okay, you know that you could be at 100, but they only know you from 30%. So could you imagine if you was with the right person who would be, you would live your life with where you're living at 100%. And not just 20%. So what's, what's driving you? Is it the sex? Is it the money? Is it the income? Is it your network? What is it? You know what's inside of you. You know what's driving you. So God wants us to be driven by trusting in him. So as we trust in God, we understand that faith drives hope. And hope is the co-parent of faith. Because faith is driving the hope. Faith is providing hope. Hope is your co-parent. Hope is the, is the co-parent of faith. Hope is the parent that navigates your motivation. So you can have hope that she gonna mess up. You, you hope that she gets smart with you. You hope that he gets smart with you. You hope that he go out here and cheat. You wish he would. Your anticipation for all the wrong things is something that is navigating your hope. See, some people have positive hope and then some people have inverted hope. Inverted is negative. I hear some people say, yeah, I wish you would. I wish you would. I remember when I was a kid, we used to walk in this lady grass. And she'll pull a shotgun out on us. She'd be like, y'all know to get out and stay out of my yard. She'd be yelling at us. And then she'd get, get her shotgun. Stay out of her yard. So the point is, is that what's your navigation? What is your navigation? You know, people, people are going to be negative, but does that mean you have to be negative? Because it's impacting your comprehension. It's impacting your brain. Your ability to make better choices, better decisions, and for you to be at your best self. So moving forward, 
there's an article. This article is about a Harvard Business Review. For some reason, I am always reading these articles. But I'm going to tell you all something. Today, when I was talking to God, and I was crying about this scripture in Matthew chapter uh, 10, verse 34, I was like, God, you know, I love everybody. See, it's, it's about you being able to have humility. So just because I don't do something that you do, that don't mean that I look at you in a certain way. I look at you in a way where I want you to experience the fullness of God. I would like everybody to, to experience the relationship with God. I would like everybody to experience this level of peace and joy that God gives you. It's a peace that can't nobody take away from you. It's like God is everything. Like he navigates everything in your favor. And even when things are not in your favor, you still have peace. So that's the thing. Like I have peace from God. And so I was sitting here and thinking about the way I grew up and the way God, what God was saying was, so it's not about who's right. It's about what's right. And so what God was telling me was that is the basis to having love. That's the basis for love. It's not about the who. It's about the what. It is about the what, not the who. And it's specific too, because I said it the I said it the reverse way. God said, no, you don't say it that way. He said, it's about the what, not the who. And I said, oh, okay. So that's the way I'm going to approach this situation with the podcast. So now I'm looking for videos and I find this article and this article says, it's not the how or the what, but the who. Succeed by surrounding yourself with the best. Let me explain this. When I seen this article before this podcast started, I was like, Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't even know it's a book out about this that says it's not the how or the what, but the who. And God told me it's about the what, not the who. Because guess what? That's how I was raised. And the way I was raised is very impartial. Because when you don't focus on the who and you focus on what is right in this situation, what is the best course of action to take? What is the best thing to do? What is right in this situation? You're not looking at the who. 
It doesn't matter who the who is. Who the who is who. It's about what is right in this situation. So looking at this article, there's a book by this expert named Claudio Fernandez Arrayos who explains why people's decisions, choices, friends, spouses, employees, partners, and mentors are more important than any other thing in this world. This book specifically says to thrive, you need the best people in your corner and on your team. Yet few people know how to do that well. But let me explain this. God, God is saying, no, no, no. See, if you work with your perception, working with your co-perception, which is your conscious, you're, if you're working on things and you're looking at life saying, look, it's not about who. That means that I don't care what color you are. I don't care what socioeconomic status you have. I don't care about your level of income or the type of car you drive or what's your zip code. That don't matter to me. It's about what is right in this situation. It's about what is right in your actions. What is right in your behavior. And so when I realized that... <laughs> I started crying to God today and I was like, God, you know, you making me emotional. Cause God get me all emotional and stuff. It's not like every day I cry, right? <laughs> I was like, God, you getting me emotional. And so he said, God said that, um, when you look up when you look at things from the what perspective it's about what is right perspective you're going to see life and you're going to engage in a more loving way and so i guess this is why people are so like connected to me you know and it's and i'm thinking like this is why our family is the way that it is our family my family is popular okay like literally so when we think about who when you think about why like all of so many people that want to be around you they want you to go here you want to go there there everywhere um it's because they know that you have the ability to be impartial. It's about the love. The, the way you see things. Can you see things from the what is right perspective? Not the who. <coughs> Excuse me. So when we, when we become those individuals. They can look at the things in life from the what is right perspective. 
It allows us to know how to love. It allows us to have hope. It, it, it changes our expectations. And we are the ones who people desire to be on their team. And I'm not saying, you know, like, like this requires intentional listening. Like when I was in class last year, I had a um like a discrepancy with one of my professors. And I talked about this on my podcast, but I really wanted to say, I think it was like a misinterpretation of what I was saying. I was, we having a conversation about socialism, social transformation, and also how oppression is really impacting society, specifically as it pertains to the critical race theory. And so when you're looking at the critical race theory, it's like, okay, well, you know, now African-American history is taken out of the schools. And so I said, well, the word nigger is still in the dictionary, but the word white nigger is not. Them both have negative annotations. But the word nigger, going having a con, I had a conversation with my friend and he said, well, you know, the word nigger is like, it could be used as a, a term for endowment. You know, everybody can't use that word. I mean, I'm understanding that perspective. But in order to understand any perspective, we have to be able to listen. And so that goes back to saying it's not about who's right. It's about what's right. And so that conversation can lead some people to saying, look, I don't even want to hear anything else about it. You lost me at the word nigger. Like, let's let's be adults and understand that. We're talking about things that's impacting the entire world, which is the critical race theory and black history being taken out of the schools. So there are civil rights leaders whose fights for freedom really, really significantly changed this entire world. So why, why should we forget the way we were able to to go and survive in in the fights for freedom but that's another topic the point of the matter is is that in order to understand the what is right sometimes you got to listen to your opponent you got to listen to the people who you may not want to listen to like for instance, I have a, a I have a chair that I work with, and so <laughs> my research, it's like we sit up here for like last week. I was talking to her for twelve hours out the whole week trying to get this research done, and I did not get past seven pages. And my research is two hundred pages long, just for the pilot. 200 pages and i'm still having to add more to that so i'm just like okay 
So we have some little hiccups in the road here and there where it's like, okay, well, see, I don't like that part. Well, I don't like this and I don't like that. But guess what? We still have to listen to each other. So we may not, like in this world, you may not want to hear some of the things that people say, but that's fine. Then you go take a a seat back while others allocate for the rest of the people in the world. Because transformation cannot be streamlined if we are continuing to make choices and decisions that is going to impact your life, your stress, trauma, depression, and everything else in your life. It comes a point in time in your life where you have to be willing to say, look, I won't change. That means that you're going to make a decision that's going to lead you to a different outcome. But you're not, you don't, you shouldn't attach yourself to the outcome. Don't attach yourself to the outcome. Because see, the outcome, it don't matter about that. Your destination could change. God may have you go to one geographical location. You might end up going to Japan. From Japan, God might want to send you to Canada. From Canada, you might go to Africa. So if you attaching yourself to the destination, you will get lost in translation when really your destination is greatness. So it don't matter if you was on the south side of Chicago or Memphis, Tennessee or the south side of Texas or in Canada or China. Guess what? Your destination is greatness. So you don't affix yourself to the the outcome. Don't don't get too caught up on that because your destination is greatness. It don't matter where you're at. You great. That's it. <laughs> Your destination is greatness. Whatever organization you work for, whatever company you have, whatever business endeavor you're trying to pursue, whatever house you're trying to buy, whichever car you want, however many cars you want, God has destined you for greatness. So it doesn't matter about, oh, well, see, it's going to take this long. It don't matter about that. Quit thinking about the journey and the process. So God is saying, look, cool. don't focus on the process. Don't focus on the journey. Focus on trusting me. That's what, that's what, that's where the, uh, obstacle come in at. Because I tell you right now, I was sitting up there. I was like, God, you know, it's not looking right in this situation. God said, you trusting me or you you looking at that problem? I promise you, it's like God be yelling at me. <laughs> I'll be like, wait, wait, okay. <laughs> yes, God, I trust in you. I got the victory. I'm like, but wait, God, see, sometimes it just don't feel like it. God said, what? He said, look, trust in me. What did I tell you? What did I tell you that was going to happen? 
I, I, I say, God, well, you said that I got the victory. And he said, okay, then. So what you focusing on the problem for? You trust me? And I say, God, yes, I trust you, God. I trust you. I got the victory. <laughs> and it's like, even though your, your visual, your physical perspective, it's like, this is right here. I see this obstacle in front of me. And it's, it's like, well, wait a minute. How, how do you ignore that obstacle? Well, God said, trust in me. Trust in me. And I'm like, okay. So it sounds so easy. It sounds very easy. It sounds like a very easy process. But guess what? Trusting in God is a very rigorous process when you are already setting your ways. See, I thought that sexual intimacy was something at the lowest level for me. Like that, that wasn't at the top of my to-do list. So I didn't think that I would be having to combat these feelings of thinking about sex and thinking about sex even more. And now I'm thinking about sex again. Why am I thinking about this stuff? That wasn't even at the top of my to-do list. So guess what? God is saying, look, I'm trying to get it up out of you. So you can understand that I need you focused. Because that was one of your weaknesses. Even though you don't look at it as a weakness, it is. It was. So God said, look, you so when you setting your ways, you're so accustomed to doing something that this is just it. It's like, okay, well, this is what I do. And so, all right, I don't, you know, like you're not thinking, you're you're inadvertently not not paying attention to that these habits are becoming strongholds. See, your habit is a stronghold. So I want to go to this other scripture here because I don't like um talking about my opinion or my, you know, too much. I want to talk on um on uh let's let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Verses four through six. It says there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to have one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So guess what? Your habits is strongholds. So if the Lord is not your stronghold, that means that faith in the Lord is not a stronghold neither. So where what's your faith? Do you have faith? See, because that's where you gotta that's where you gotta go. You, you got to start at the basics. What habits do I have 
that have created strongholds in my life. See, I didn't realize that sex was a stronghold. Because it's at the bottom of the list. It's never been at the top of my to-do list. So, like, I have to exa I have to examine and acknowledge that, okay, so wait, wait now, God. So, God allowed me to gradually change certain things. So, the more I trust in God... The more and more he allows me to have peace and joy. But see, when I wasn't positioning God in a way where I'm, I'm, I'm trusting in him, that means that my faith, what was my faith doing? That means I had faith in my own actions. See, I, I like to think like people in higher education so many times, it's like we really, 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 sometimes your, your, your mind will make you think that it's all you doing it. Your habits lead to strongholds. So, depending on the severity of that habit, meaning that do you have a habit of profanity? Do you have a habit of lying? Do you have a, a habit of cheating? Do you have a habit of stealing? Do you have a habit of being unforgiving? Do you have all, you got to examine yourself. You know what your habits are. So when we examine ourselves, we're able to allow God to be our driving force. But if you're not depending on the Lord, your faith is flawed. Then you won't have access to the Holy Spirit through the baptism. As it said here, Ephesians 4, 4 and 6. One Lord, one faith. Without the Lord, you won't have faith. You've given a measure of faith, but now your faith has been inverted. So now you're motivated by having doubt and unbelief. So you, you, you have faith. You have faith in that doubt. You have faith in that unbelief. Because you have doubt and unbelief in every situation. So that's what your faith is in. It's not like you're without faith. You've just chosen to reinvest your faith from being in, in the things that make you an overcomer. And now instead of being an overcomer, you've reinvested your faith into having doubt and unbelief. Like many of us, we go from spending quality, great time and in investing in ourselves. So that God could produce results. And then you go, instead of, instead of investing into yourself, you've invested into a person who doesn't see themselves as being great. So you can't make people feel great. 
You can't make people. You can't think more about people than they think for themselves. You can do that. But it'll it'll be short lived. Because when people do things and they change and and, and they do it for all of the wrong reasons, it's short lived. So it's about the what, not the who. What is right in the situation in your life right now? Not the bad stuff. What are the good things that you could do in your life right now to improve? It's not about who did this and how you couldn't do that because of this person. And see, because this person did that, so now you can't do this. And see, it's not about the who. It's about the what, meaning what can you get done? What can you accomplish? What is right about the trajectory of your decision? What is right about your choices? Do you need to go back and reevaluate your choices? How can you unlearn some of these habits that have developed into strongholds? Like for me, it was like hard for me not to, you know, like wear my shoes. So it had took me a long time to get kind of, like I wasn't, I didn't feel attached to the shoes though. But then I did feel attached to them. And it's like I had to let go of all of that stuff. So it's, you know, just thinking about, you know, God being the driving force in your life. Let faith drive your hope. Let hope be the co-parent of your faith. And let hope give you the motivation that you need to maintain your confidence. To maintain the peace that God gives you. To maintain the joy in your life. It doesn't matter how many problems come in your life. When you have faith in God and trust in God, you are not going to be pondering on no problems for too long. You're not going to be thinking about no problems like that. Because God only provides solutions. So, it, it, so the problem is with the Harvard Business Review article is that it says it's not the how or the what but the who succeed by surrounding yourself with the best that's a book that is not true in order for us to succeed what we have to do is focus on what we do and what we can do and what is the right thing to do And if you don't ask, you'll never know. 
So be intentional with people. Intentionally listen to them, even if you don't agree with them. I was taught this. Look, let me explain this. When I where I grew up, we have you got to have respect for everybody. Period. You if you don't, you gotta have respect for everybody. Don't nobody gotta earn your respect. You gotta give respect, and you on you gonna automatically get respect back. Some people say, "Well, you gotta earn my respect." No, no, no. Didn't nobody do anything to disarm your respect. You gotta earn my trust. Nobody had to do anything to disarm your trust in the first place. So you have some issues going on there. So like the the thing is, is that. We have to respect people. My mom, she always said, she said, it don't matter where you are. Even if you had you you at the store and it's a just say somebody a crackhead or they on drugs and, and they see you all the time. And they like, you know, they know that you're a good person. Cause you nice, you speak to them, you treat them with respect. They can see something happening to you and they'll intervene for you. Because guess what? They know that you have a good heart. But if they know that you out here bogus and mean, and you know, they're not going to do anything if they see something happening to you. So it's really about respect. It's about us having the qualities that God has. God, I want to be more like you, God. And so God said, look, just start looking at things more from the perspective is what is right, not who is right. And so that is, that is allowing me to have a little bit more grace about things than before. And so that allows me to have love. Like this is already a normal practice for me because that's how I was raised anyway. <laughs> it's not about who's right it's about what's right i heard that that's embedded in my head my grandma used to get mad at my granddaddy yelling at him so what it don't matter about it it don't matter about who's right it's about what's right she just be sitting up there yelling about it it's about what's right that's all you hear it's about what's right. I don't care. It's about what's right in the situation. That's how my grandma was. It's about what's right. So that's how we gonna, that's how we gonna take this. It's about what's right. We're going to look at people about what is right in this situation. Is it right that I sit up here and I just throw all of my trash outside? Absolutely not. Do I need other people to pick up my slack? No. It's about what's right. So we're going to look at and go through life and look and say, okay, is it right for me to be mean to this person? Is it right for me to use profanity? Is it right for this person? Is it right for you to keep stealing? Is it right for you to harm this person? Is it right for you to hurt his feelings? Is it right for you to hurt her feelings? Is it right what you're doing? Is it right for you to keep cheating on your spouse? Is it right? Is it right? 
Is it right for you to keep giving people wrong investments? So let's go ahead and pray. I'm at the two hour mark. So Father God, we thank you right now. We um thank you for leading me in this discussion. I pray that you allow us all to have trust in you so that we will have the peace and joy that we need in order to sustain the things that is going on in this world, God. I thank you right now for just giving us a double portion of your love, mercy, and grace. I ask that you allow us to fulfill the things that you have called us to do. But most importantly, God, let us have revelation and interpretation, God. Let us be able to understand you better and build a better relationship. And let us inspire each other. Let your children rise up so we can inspire each other. Most importantly, God, we ask that you please allow your will to be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me. I will see you all tomorrow. If you have a prayer request, please send that to Laws Life Health at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. If you are interested in becoming a writer, send that to info at SuddenChangesCorporation.org.